to 70% off. That's right, at Court Furniture Clearance Center. Get up to 70% off new retail prices and choose from a wide variety of previously leased furniture and decor for your home or office. Sofas from $199.99, bedroom sets from $399.99, dining sets from $299.99, and more. All items are court certified, guaranteed, and in stock, ready for delivery or to take home today. Make the smart choice and visit one of our five locations in the DMV or go online at courtclearancefurniture.com. Mention Radio 20 and get 20% off. And welcome to Liquid Lunch. It's me, Hugh, and Hildegard is here, and we're starting a little bit early today, and we are uh, blessed. We're very happy because we've got uh, His Holiness uh, Eunice Algahar joining us in the studios. Uh, Thank you. Back in Toronto from Mexico, and uh, we're going to have a great conversation, some very serious topics. Well, topics that need to be discussed, right? Global peace, unity, doing away with division. And I'm so glad I have the opportunity to be with you here again. Thanks, Hildegard. I kind of felt a little abandoned when I did the show on my own. Poor Hildegard. <laughs> the divine masculine is missing then, so I'm really glad we are here today. Yeah, and we are talking about some very serious topics. Uh, welcome, His Holiness. Thank you so Why much. don't you begin by sharing what's on your heart and mind now that you have met with 700 people in Mexico just recently? Yeah. Share the, the goals that you have of unity and activating human hearts. To begin with, Mexico is a, is a wonderful experience, especially people. Um, they were all uh, dressed in white, uh, which is a sign of uh, unification. And they were they were there for spirituality, unity, and love. It appeared to me as if they were already ready. They were just sitting there. And their, their, their quest for internal peace, spiritual peace, was almost complete. So I was really happy and I enjoyed uh, talking about spirituality among those people. And they were really good people, mm -hmm. very good people. Is there a large community that you're connected to in Mexico? Uh, Actually, I didn't know where, the, where they came from. They were all invited by Master Paul. Okay. Yeah, so the Grand Fraternidad Universal organized it with you, this event? Yes. Okay. It was organized by Universal Brotherhood. Would you be so kind and define for our audience, how do you see spirituality? It seems to be such a confusion, religion, spirituality, personal daily life struggle. How does it all fit together? Could you give us some insights into your perspective, please? Spirituality is uh, the knowledge that caters for the needs of our spirits and our souls. And um, previously, historically, spirituality was added to monotheist religions like Christianity, Judaism, and Islam. Like you must have heard of Kabbalah, which is the uh, spiritual offshoot of Judaism, and then Christian spirituality, and then Muslim spirituality, Sufism. So spirituality was added to religions for a purpose, and the purpose was 
so that people who practice these religions may be connected to God. Because the only way to connect to God is through spirituality. Whereas the religions are uh, a set of belief and a set of uh, rituals and customs and how to worship. Spirituality is the only means to connect to God. And now here we, we talk about spirituality without a religion. Because humanity has had enough um, at the hands of religions. Religions once were good and um, because of these religions a lot of people were connected to God. However, uh, after the departure of the founder of the religion and after the collapse of the spiritual system in those religions, those religions became futile and people started to become uh, extremists and fanatics because they were not connected to God. If you are not connected to God and you still follow a religion, that's really, really, really dangerous thing. Religion is only good when the religion can connect people to God. Without being connected to God, following a religion will always lead people to become extremists and fanatics. Now we've seen a lot of that lately, unfortunately. And especially it seems the uh, latest division is in Islam. And uh, you were uh, we talking earlier and you mentioned that different sects seemingly represent an aspect of Islam that is really not aimed at unity rather than destruction and more segregation. And there was a recent announcement made by the Iranian president, if I understand correctly, in the United Nations. Would you like to comment on that, please? This statement by a um, former president of Iran was made in 2008, uh, Ahmadinejad. But this is what they believe. And um, Islam is one of the three Abrahamic faiths. Judaism, Christianity, Islam. All three religions. The, the basic principles of all these three religions are the same. Monotheism. And the father is Abraham, the father of all prophets. So I don't see much of a difference between these three religions uh, apart from uh, uh, different rituals and different uh, laws for people to follow. Like I said, um, these religions have always been good as long as the spirituality was still there and was playing a pivotal role in the lives of people. But since the collapse of the spiritual system in each religion, people um, did not get connected with God. It is the awakening and enlightenment of the heart and the souls and the spirits which make a bridge between men and God. And because of this bridge, which is built by spirituality, you're connected with God. You begin to manifest attributes of God. 
So I display as a human being walking around on this planet, I'll alter how you occur to me or how my next door neighbor occurred to me and then it impacts on me changing how I interact with other human beings? Is yeah. that, a, is that a, the process of me becoming more aware of my connections to a higher being or a higher force? Uh, let me clarify the, the, the formal point that I was trying to make. God said in Bible, God created men in his own image. With the connection, when man is connected with God, man is supposed to receive attributes of God from God. And God's attributes manifest in the character of man. This is how he becomes compassionate. This is how he becomes kind. This is how he loves everybody. Now, if man is not connected with God, all these positive attributes, divinely attributes of God, do not manifest in human beings. And this is how uh, they become uh, a prey to negative forces, evil forces, so to speak. So, uh, I mean, we look at... Uh <clears throat> We look at the world now and we, and we see in all those religions, let's just talk about those three, the three Abrahamic uh, faiths, um, that there are groups in, in, in all of them that, are, um, that have become radicalized in the sense that they view their own faith as the only faith and they go back to the, uh, the scriptures of that faith as a justification for keeping themselves separate and not moving towards unity um, but in particular we're talking about going back to what Ahmadinejad was saying at the UN um, and it's, it's, it's kind of funny because I think all three of these faiths are anticipating at least a, a part of the doctrine of each is anticipating a messiah either the coming or the return and and this is what is happening uh, in Iran is that uh, 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 a doctrine is being preached that the uh, the awaited one or the Mahdi is is coming to kill the infidels. Now, where does that where does that uh, idea come from in the first place? Well, every religion um, has a concept of a messianic figure who would come towards the end times and. Um, who would uh, uh, save the world, save humanity. Judaism has a similar messianic uh, concept, uh, the promised Messiah. And the Christians are waiting for Lord Jesus Christ. In a similar way, Hindus also have a similar concept, and they call the awaited one Kalki Avatar. Mm -hmm. And Muslims also have this messianic concept of the awaited one who is supposed to come towards the end times so um, what I personally believe through my spiritual experiences I do not see three or four different uh, awaited ones with the mm -hmm. same spiritual divine caliber mm -hmm. coming to the, to, the, to the rescue of humanity what I understand is one personality 
which has been given different titles in different religions. However, this one personality is not an exclusive personality for any one particular group of people mm -hmm. or one particular religion. The awaited one is for the entire humanity. And his message will be love and global peace. He is not going to kill anybody. Mm -hmm. He is not going to help any one particular religion to prevail over all other religions in the world. What Ahmadinejad has been saying, Ahmadinejad comes from an offshoot of Islam, which is Shiite, Shiaism. And basically, there are two main, two big denominations uh, in Islam uh, right now. One is um, headed by Saudi Arabia, Wahhabism, and the other one is uh, supported and um, believed by the state of Iran that these Muslims are Shia. Mm -hmm. And what they're doing, this is a tug of war, what they're doing is they're trying to take power, take control of the region. Uh, you must have seen uh, there is a war going on in Yemen. Mm -hmm. And half of Yemen is, is a supporter of Saudi Arabia, mm -hmm. and they follow their version of Islam. And the other half of Yemen is a supporter of Iran, and they follow their version of Islam. And both countries are trying to gain control mm -hmm. of that country. And um, in, in a similar way, Iran is trying to gain control in, in Syria. Iran has been uh, fighting with Iraq in the past for at least uh, 11, 12 years nonstop. And then Iran uh, has, there, there are some organizations, terrorist organizations uh, in, in Lebanon and uh, in Syria. So they're actually trying to gain control of the region. And we don't really hear a lot about that. I mean, there's a lot of talk about what's really going on in Syria. I mean, people uh, blame the U.S. Uh, for uh, what happened uh, in Iraq and, and all that sort of thing. But recently I've heard, and, and partly from you guys, is that it is, a, a, at least one aspect of it, is a game between Saudi Arabia and Iran for control of the, re of the region and perhaps even using the Western powers as their puppets to, to establish their own control in the region. Um, and, and maybe you can just, for people, because a lot of people, I think, may not be uh, uh, used to the concept, but just tell us what the Wahhabism is exactly and what Saudi Arabia is, is, uh, is, is, is doing in the region. Well, basically... Saudi Arabia or Wahhabism hasn't directly threatened uh, the Western uh, world, um, not directly. Mm -hmm. However, Iran has been threatening the West, especially Israel, directly. And it's really bad that Iran has been using Imam Mahdi's name, mm -hmm. the awaited one, his name um, to uh, to their own uh, fabricated uh, agenda that when Imam Mahdi comes, Imam Mahdi will support Iran and they will destroy mm -hmm. the little devil 
Israel and America the bigger devil. This is their understanding. Now, where does that come from? Is that, uh, are they able to, to look at the Quran and say that the Quran says something to that effect? Well, when Quran was revealed, there was no America on, uh, on geography. So Quran can, can never say <laughs> America is a devil. <laughs> well, the different question is, what was Muhammad actually trying to do when he wrote the Quran? There's those who claim that the Quran was actually a cosmic, cosmic knowledge which went way beyond how to get along and play nice on the planet, but it was to enlighten us about a bigger universal picture and that the message actually was hijacked and was then only limited to those people who could actually read the Arabic language. What, what is your take on that? I'm wondering whether there is some choose to that or not. I mean, it, it, it makes sense to me that maybe when you look at all the avatars that came and taught peace and love and compassion, uh, all of them somehow said the same thing, but it got always somehow manipulated, diluted, watered down, and it turned out to be just a continuation of the oppression of the average person, which is still going on today. We think we're living in modern times. I don't think so. <clears throat> well, how I see uh, the revelation of Quran, or the revelation of Bible, or the revelation of the Old Testament, when these revelations were made from God, and this revelation reached these universal teachers like Abraham and Moses and Jesus and Prophet Muhammad, this was an spiritual experience and these revelations were revealed upon the hearts. The heart was the recipient of the revelation from God. So what happened? 1436 or 38 years ago there were no cameras, you couldn't record voice or images nothing. So whatever was revealed, it was revealed upon the heart of Prophet Muhammad. And then he would speak. And when he would speak, people sometimes would write the words on goat skin or on stones or on walls. There were no papers. There were no, no such thing as we have like pens on papers today. So it was very, very difficult to record the revelation in form of words. So whatever revelation was received by Prophet Muhammad was spiritually stored inside his heart. And God or Prophet Muhammad never meant to give that revelation a form of words or a form of book. What we have today as a book of the Holy Quran is, is doubtful whether everything which was revealed has been correctly recorded or accurately recorded or nothing is missing or no word has been misplaced or even 
some of the revelations were abrogated by God. They were revealed and later on God said, forget about it. It's been abrogated. So we don't even know whether those verses of the Holy Quran have been excluded from this book which were abrogated or now they're part of the Quran. Maybe these are the verses which are playing um, you know, a havoc in the minds of different people because some of the verses which were revealed uh, uh, from God were abrogated. So you're saying that uh, I guess the same would be true of the Bible that it's not uh, you're saying ne- not necessarily the word of God, that that it's it's it, it is imperfect. Now you know you say something like that, and uh, that can I'm in trouble. You're mm-hmm. in trouble. <laughs> I know that with certain people, <laughs> C- certain people in the Islamic world are are going to you know not accept that, and certain people in the Christian but that, world too. W- but what I'm saying is not irrational. That's completely rational. <laughs> right, but you're you know. People are are not rational all the time, but they right? have to be rational. Well, the question is, and you bring up a very good point. Look at history books. Let's look at archaeology. There are people like Michael Tillinger. We had him here on the show. Michael Cremo, who wrote the book Forbidden Archaeology. There are people all over the world. Uh, I think there's even an, an archaeologist from was it Bosnia who moved to the U.S., had their, his uh, construction business, and then discovered this huge pyramid in his hometown at some point later. And there are many, many people all over the planet saying, history is written by those who A, knew how to write and knew how to spin. Well, I'm trained as a journalist, <laughs> right? So let's just leave that there for now. Let the me just add one, is, more, one more sentence. Yeah. I, I was saying it's completely rational to understand that there must have been some kind of adulteration or mm-hmm. alteration. This is the reason why there's so many different versions of Bible. And even people argue over the interpretation yes. of, and it's yes. been translated and, you know. I mean, interpretation is one thing. Mm-hmm. Interpretation is to, is to do with understanding. How do you understand how do uh, different individuals understand that? And then they interpret it. But I am talking about the authenticity of the original text. Mm-hmm. Right? Now, we have different versions of Bible in which a lot of words differ. And this is because it has been adulterated. Well, this is what the historians say. The, the archaeologists and historians say a lot of our knowledge or the stuff that we have been given over our lifetime, just let's stay with this lifetime, okay, the last hundred years, let's say, how much of this is really true? Because when people have, and there have been many people here in this studio alone, who had what they call a spiritual experience, they claim that nothing out there in their typical day-to-day life made sense anymore. They had to quit their jobs. They had to do different way of feeding themselves. They dressed different. They cut their hair or grew it long, whatever. And then they got judgment and reprimand from the world around them, their immediate community. And so the question is, were these people then touched by God? Did their heart then suddenly open to a universal force, whatever we may label it, 
is that like you're activating human hearts, right? You've come to Toronto, and I'm sure in in Mexico you were talking about it as well. If I understood your message, is to really open the human heart to really make that conscious connection to something grander and higher than my physicality, my ego, my social status? Well, I personally believe that um, God is more concerned about helping people find Him. And if these books, celestial books, Bible or Quran or or Old Testament, they don't appear to help them out, then I don't think God will be bothered. God can bless anybody, anywhere, anytime, without involving a middleman. This is my personal belief. He can open up to any heart, to any soul. He can bless anybody in whatever form, in whatever circumstances. He is an absolute power and his main concern should be to bless people who want to love him and who want to adhere to his attributes, to his compassion, to his bounty. And that's what I believe. So when people are hurt and they're fighting and they're in war... That's a negative force. Does that? Ne I was just going to ask that. Does that not then diminish my ability to love my fellow man when I don't have my basic needs met anymore? And we see now a lot of people go through that right now, leaving you know, Africa, moving into Europe, are in horrible situations where their basic needs were not met, yet in their home countries they were doing their best to take care of themselves and their family and contributing to their nation. Well, we have different abilities and capabilities in us. Now it depends what do we prefer in our life. It's all about preferences, right? Well, it is now. People have more freedom now. They have the freedom to move to another part of the world, where in the, in the past that wasn't available to them. Yeah. So, we, yeah, so it is a preference now. I mean, not preference in a sense that you, you're going out here and there for your economic reasons. I'm, I'm, I'm talking about spirituality. For, for spirituality, you don't have to move anywhere. Well, it's, I mean, in a sense, too, uh, there was a time, and we're going to be having a conversation later in the day about this, too, where people were born into a religion, and that was or a, a spiritual tradition, and that was what they, they... It is not enough for anybody to be born in a religion and be able to understand everything of that religion or be able to be connected to God without making an effort. Because religion or spiritual ability is not inherited. You have to go and get it. You have to uh, obtain it. So what do we do today then? To get through, because what you're you're, you're talking about a, a message of uh, of spirituality that goes beyond the religions, right? True. And tr and 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 <coughs> essentially looking at everyone, we're all in the same boat in a sense, right? True. And yet there are people who are um, tied to the religion, tied to the dogma of it, and um, and uh, you know treating other people, viewing people as other. Right, killing them or, 
or uh, totally disrespecting them. How do we get through to those people? Because, as we said, I mean, you're talking about this is logical, what you're saying, but to get through to people who are not operating from logic or perhaps they're locked in a logic a loop you know a loop of logic that tells them that you know that the Mahdi is going to come to kill the infidels and that, that they're part of that how do we get break through that actually when when Christians or Jews or Muslims when they only want to um, exist alone and they do not want to coexist with others I understand that they're not connected to God if they were connected to God, they would have understood that Jews were also, uh, their religion was also established by God. And Christianity was also established by God. They would, they would appreciate everybody else's existence. Now, because they do not want to coexist in a society where there are more people and more attention is given to them. This is where extremism and fanaticism start. And you cannot tell them you are wrong well here we are and there was a time we can only protect ourselves we're in a situation today where all those cultures that used to you know for example one religion existed in one part of the world and they didn't have to uh, relate or interact with another religion, another culture. Now, that was we, better. <laughs> <laughs> well, it was uh, maybe simpler, but here we are today, and there's no turning, there's no going back now. Everyone from every cultural tradition is living uh, side by side with people from the other cultural, and we have to... I think this is part of the stress, too, that people... You know, because I think that there's nothing more sacred than a person's worldview, you know, because we're trying desperately to figure out our place in the world, right? And so when, when, when that, when our worldview is threatened, and every other tradition, in a sense, is a threat, because it's a different way of looking at things, right? When people are threatened, they, they, they try really hard to hang on to what they think they know about their place in, in the world, and maybe that's the point exactly where we need to take this conversation. Everybody talks about jihad. What about, rather than looking there, wait for the awaited one to come and heal everything? In the meantime, I happily am corrupting, I'm happily manipulating. I don't look at my own issue because the, there's a power in one. I believe that very much. I experienced in my own life and in the most difficult of situations. Other human beings show up, do something, did something for me, and I'm going, whoa, who organized that one? So can you talk a little bit about that? Like how does that spirit, all of this, actually hit the road? How does the individual... What, what, what can I here do? I can't do much about, you know, standing between the various fractions in the Middle East and say, you guys, play nice. <coughs> However, there's something I can do here, I believe, by working with my own heart center on my own dirt, in my own perception, on my own lack of tolerance, on my own judgments. Is, is that the way out? Or is this too Pollyannish to assume that working on myself actually impacts the bigger, grander good. 
I think on on an individual level, we should try to um, generate more energy and share more energy. If we have if we have positive energies, we we should not confine it to ourselves. We should share it with others, so that they may also uh, reap the benefits of the divine energies and positive energies. Maybe when these energies um, hit their heart, um, they might change their philosophies or their understanding. And this is exactly what we're trying to do, sharing our positive energies, divine energies uh, with other people um, without any uh, prejudice or reservations on a, on a broader spectrum. Uh, we should forget about our ethnicity and religious backgrounds. We should all uh, see that we're all human beings and children of God, and we should love each other. And we should forget ab about our religious or cultural uh, differences and just spread love. Now, it seems to me that uh, in Europe especially, because uh, I think Europe is a different situation than, than here in the New World, because here we're all immigrants pretty much, right? Uh, but in Europe, you know, you've got the, the, uh, the established cultures, uh, like in France, for example, and now you've got, uh, you've got uh, Africans, you've got Muslims moving in, and in Britain, because I know you're based in Britain. Um, and I think the, uh, the, the native cultures uh, are a little more resistant to the idea of, of these new cultures coming in and moving into the countries and I think it's uh, I mean you live in Britain so what is the situation like there because I think on the one hand you've got the, the, the native British that, that could be resistant to that and that you've got I, I know you've spoken about that uh, Muslim, at least some of the Muslim youth in Britain have become radicalized with all this tension in the Middle East and around the world In, in Britain uh, especially English, um, English people are really, really nice and they're, they're really good. But the problem is, when you come from outside England, you bring in your culture, you bring in your religion, and now you want to impose your religion and your culture on them. Is there, that is bad. Like, is that really happening? I mean, here in Canada, at least the sense, my sense is that uh, people come here and they, uh, you know, I can show you places in Toronto where there's a synagogue here and right beside it is a mosque, right? There's and, nothing wrong. If you're a Muslim, you come here and you practice your religion, there's nothing wrong with that. However, yeah. when you want to force others to believe it. But I don't get the sense that there is that, that forcing. Here in Toronto, have you heard? Yeah. No, not in Toronto. Mm -hmm. We're talking about Britain. But is that in Europe? Is that generally in Europe? Are that what the Germans and the Austrians and the French people are scared of? Some people, some places, like Donald Trump said, <laughs> some places in England are now, you know, um, problematic, mm -hmm. where some radicalized Muslims do want to. Um, impose their philosophies on others, mm -hmm. and which is totally unacceptable. Now, why is that happening, and why is it happening in Britain in particular, and, and why not in Canada, for example? 
Uh, maybe Canada doesn't have as much uh, radicalized Muslims as Britain has. Uh, I'm curious why. Well, that would be one the case. might argue that the British people, being a colonial country, much like many other European states, they have superimposed their religious worldviews, their way of life on the indigenous people in North America, in Africa, in Asia, all over the world. That is just part of being the colonializer. Is this like bad karma coming back to all of these colonial states? I mean, there's arguments to be made either way. How can I say anything about this? <laughs> <laughs> well, maybe. Maybe, but uh, you know, but now there's instant karma, right, John Lennon? Uh, it's, so now we can get over all that karma instantly. And and, and I know you guys are um, are very interested. One of the things you're working on is the de-radicalization of Muslim youth um, in in Britain, in particular. Do you want to talk about that effort and and what is the strategy to do that? De-radicalization of the Muslim youth is very important. And um, in order to do that, we need a lot of uh, money and a lot of manpower. There, there are organizations in England, like Culium, which is supported by British government. And uh, it is headed by a guy called um, Majid Nawaz. And he is an ex-jihadi. Mm-hmm. Yeah, he used, to, he used to be a fanatic and he used to be... Um, an ex-jihadi. He was in in, in Egypt for uh, uh, he was pr- imprisoned in Egypt for five years, and then in those five years, when he was um, <coughs> in solitary confinement in the, in the prison, he reflected on what he has been doing, and what his religion uh, actually uh, tell him to do, and then he found out he's he's been. He's been doing everything else for except what the, the religion is asking him to do. So, I don't know how he got de-radicalized, maybe due to God's help or his own uh, understanding or whatever. But now he's leading a group called Culium um, in England. And it's it's uh, government-funded. And uh, they're trying. They give lectures. They go places. And recently there have been um, a group here also in Canada. Uh, Islam needs reforms, something s- similar. And it is also supported by that group in England, Culium. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So th- they're working hard. Mm-hmm. And these people are trying to, to, to say to the Muslim that Islam needs reforms. And reforms in a sense... I mean. I don't agree with this because what they think is part of Islam is not part of Islam. When you say Islam needs reforms, you're saying this is bad. Mm-hmm. But what is bad is not part of the religion. Mm-hmm. It has been concocted by different groups of people. So it's not a reform. It's just uh, uh, what's needed is an understanding of the no, true acor- nature of the yeah, According to the Quran, mm-hmm. according to Islam, according to Prophet Muhammad, killing one man is equal to killing the entire humanity. Mm-hmm. Islam does not support killing of people. Mm-hmm. These people who say kill infidels, do this, do that, there is no such thing in Quran. 
or in the traditions of the Prophet Muhammad. So, but we're seeing, and, and we're going back to the the, the Wahhabi, which is a, a sect of uh, Islam or one one strain of Islam, a dangerous one. Yeah. So, um, no. What is then the the true underlying um, motivation for that? Is it is it really just a, a political uh, 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 posture? Geopolitical. Let's talk a little bit about this geopolitical aspect, if we can venture there. Again, in this particular chair, we get the privilege of talking to a lot of fascinating people, and there is one story that goes this way. They have been the pup they have been puppeteers. There's the official version of governments in any country, and then there are puppeteers that tell these people what to say and what to do. There's a white budget. There's a black budget. And there are accusations made that the Saudi Arabian or factions in Saudi Arabia are part of this community and that the West is just as guilty about, uh, for financing, supporting terrorist groups globally, not just in the Middle East. And it's done so that humanity really doesn't figure out who we really are and where we came from and how the universe works. This is way out there, but it would be very interesting to know. Let me, what let me your say a few sentences. Let me say a few sentences, right? And then tell me oh, what do you understand? To the West and to the rest of the world, the biggest threat is Iran, right? And that is not a genuine threat, but this is how it appears to the West that Iran is talking about apocalyptical uh, uh, messianic figure the Muslim Messiah he will come and if he comes then Iran will destroy Israel and America so Iran is posing a more uh, dangerous threat to the West and to the rest of the world and this threat from Iran is more dangerous in comparison to the threat posed by Wahhabis or, or jihadis. Therefore, it is in the best interest, this is how it appears, it is in the best interest of the West to support Saudi fractions in order for them to defeat Shia fractions so the the threat posed by Iran to the rest of the world dies out there without West doing anything. So the West is kind of in, in that sense using uh, Saudi Arabia and Wahhabism. As a deterrent. A deterrent. Yeah. To, deterrent. Against Iran. To Iranian, um, you know. Right. But you've talked about... Uh, the, the, the Wahhabism itself is a real danger. It is. It yeah. is. Wahhabism is a real danger, right? Mm -hmm. No, no. You have to listen to me very carefully. Mm -hmm. Wahhabism is a real danger. And we see they're killing a lot of people all over the world. Muslims, Christians, whoever. Mm -hmm. They do not discriminate. <laughs> what Iran is posing as a threat is unreal because their concept of Imam Mahdi is false concept 
and their Muslim Messiah will never come. Mm-hmm. They will never be able to either destroy Israel or America. They're just daydreaming. Mm. It doesn't exist. Such a Messiah who will come and either convert everybody else into Muslim or kill all the non-Muslim. There is no such thing. So this is all hocus pocus. It's a complete hayox. So this is just a verbal sort of threat. Mm-hmm. You know? I will call it a verbal diarrhea. Mm-hmm. It has nothing to do with, with reality. There is no such thing that there is a Muslim or Shia Messiah. He will come and he will destroy Israel or America. There is no such thing. It's just phraseology. It doesn't exist in reality. So let's talk a bit more about the end of religion and what is your perception on why is it that religion is no longer helping people, even though some people may be taking offense to that? Because, uh, uh, like I said previously, religions uh, were good when spirituality was playing a role in, the, in those religions. The set of beliefs or the set of rituals or customs do not connect anybody to God. So what do the you say for the, the, the real believer, the Muslim, the Christian, the Jew who goes to their place of worship and that's all they've known and they live their entire life like that? That, that is very shocking It to is somebody who is really deeply immersed in this worldview, as you said. Yeah, it's shocking. What do you have to offer them? And why would they listen to you? Because, quite frankly, you know, you could offend people seriously with what you just said. No, they said. don't have to listen to me. But they where should, do they go? What they do should, they do? They How can they connect to their God now? They should see if their practice of worship is really helping them. They go to the mosque, they go to the temples, they go to the churches, but nothing is changing in them. They're not becoming pure. They're not becoming a spiritual. Every time they go to the mosque, when they come back, they bring more hatred in their heart. They want to kill more people. If they were connected to God, they wouldn't be increasing in hatred. Because God loves everybody. Whether you're a Jew or a Christian or a Hindu or a Sikh, it doesn't really matter to God. Everybody is created by God. And God loves everybody regardless of the religion that he practices. So every time a person goes to a church and he brings in more hatred in, in, in his heart and he wants to kill more people or he wants to suppress more people or he wants to oppress more people, it simply means he's not connected to God and the practice of his worship is not, is not being fruitful, is completely futile. I don't ask people to, to believe what I'm saying. They should look into their own, uh, own life. Is going to mosque or church or is worshipping, which is done in, in these worship places, helping, helping them out, making them a better human being? No. Yeah, like we have all this information, we have all these centers, we have all these spiritual groups, and yet more people commit suicide now, or maybe we hear more about it, whether it's young Aboriginal people or Western people or, you know, Catholics, Muslim. A lot of people are seemingly in chaos, in yeah. inner turmoil, True. depression and suicides <laughs> and medications. Which is kind of why, you know, I think uh, that's part of the reason a lot of people feel that we're in an end-time situation. 
and why people are feeling that it's, you know, maybe the only way out is some sort of a messiah to come. To be right? rescued by somebody yet again? But wouldn't that be totally disempowering? You see, like I said, uh, spirituality has been um, in every religion. Kabbalah is a Jewish spirituality. It's not my voice only. It's the voice of every religion. Every, every single rational, spiritual person in every religion, he talks about love and connection with God. Yeah. Only, only the, the people who follow Kabbalah in Judaism will talk about love and embracing everybody. And then um, spiritual people among Christians, they will talk about brotherhood and love. In a similar way, Muslim Sufis mm -hmm. like Rumi, yeah. they talk about love. It's not my voice. It's the voice of his spirituality. And everybody who follows his spirituality, no matter what religion he practices outwardly. So here we are. We're, we're in a pickle. Globally. <laughs> right? We've got situations. Quite a we jar. Got technology. <laughs> we've got environmental problems. and uh, Religions got, have been pickled. Exactly. And we've got uh, radicalization, you know, all over the place. So we, we have about 10 minutes left. Um, let's talk about what we do about it. What, what, what can we do? What can the people out there who are watching this do? How can we make it go a little bit better? You see, you, you have to come out from that, you know, virtual, solitary confinement of your mind. Like, I'm a Muslim. No. You have to think like a creation of God. You have to appreciate that this man, no matter what is the color of his skin, at the end of the day, he was created by God like I was. This man, the color of his skin is black. But that's not his fault. Right? He didn't dye his skin in, in, in black. And then, our soul do not have any color. We're all the same. Mm -hmm. Jews or Christians or Muslims or Sikhs, our souls were created by God. Our bodies were created by God. But these religions and contemporary adulteration in, in religions, and actually religions have now been, uh, have been added with a, a, a sort of a fiction, you know, fantasy. Everybody wants to rule in future. Like people, now religion, religions want to become superpower. Mm. Like America is superpower. Russia wants to become a superpower. In a similar way, Saudi Arabia and Iran also wants to become a superpower. Mm -hmm. But because they don't have anything. They have no industry, they have no resources. So they are exporting terrorism. International export of terrorism. They want to become superpower. We have to come out from the shell of limitedness of these religions we have to think like a creature of god and 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 we have to think that all men and all women are equal in the eyes of god we should not hate anybody mm -hmm. we should love each other so how can we shake that essence of the human heart up so we do not discriminate by sex color race religion the only way when the heart is activated, when the heart is spiritualized, when the heart is able to communicate with God, then with God's presence, you will appreciate God's creation. So do I need to ask 
I'm coming from the Christian background and studying some of the texts I was exposed to, it would always say, ask and you shall be given. Okay, ask. Is if you are not given, then? <laughs> well, it doesn't say it's given to you the way you expect it to be given. This you know? is where the problem starts. You, you're made to believe in things that you don't even want to, uh, I mean, you can't even see them. Now, belief is a very tricky thing, right? You, you, you're just required to believe mm-hmm. whether that thing exists or it doesn't exist. This is a very tricky thing, belief. So what do we do? Well, we better be connected to God, honestly, rather than believing in things. And how do we do that? Because you're saying that it's not enough to just to ask. Yes, yeah, of course. Let's, let, let's just By activation of the heart. When God's, when God's energy enters your heart, you will start experiences. You will be communicating with God. When, you, when, when you're opening up your heart, when you're enlightening your heart, you're not actually believing. You're actually observing. Mm-hmm. You're experiencing. Would you mind sharing a little bit about your experiences and your life? Because you had a certain experience or certain experiences maybe in a time uh, that many people can relate to where you are living life a certain way, you're educated a certain way, you live in a certain society and then what happened for you to open that heart or have you always been so deeply connected no, to I God? Was never, I was never connected to God and I was a very Uh, short-sighted, shallowed person. I was born in a Muslim family and I thought uh, the only reality is Islam and uh, the only good country in the world is Pakistan. That's what I believed. But the moment I met with my my master, Lord Rariyaz Gaur Shahi, and he initiated my heart since that time, My heart has been spiritualized and it started to open up. And I came to a level in spirituality where I realized that everybody is, was created by God. And these divisions do not really mean anything in reality. And I go to a mosque five times a day and I've been doing it for the past 15 years but didn't bring any change in my life. Why should I do it? Mm-hmm. Then I quit. And this is how my entire philosophy changed. And I don't practice Islam anymore. I practice spirituality. So changed from the inside out. Changed from the inside out. And this is what the Messiah Foundation is all, is all about, about. Right? And uh, so, um, I mean, uh, Lord Rariyaz Gaur Shahi is uh, in occultation, Right. <laughs> so how do people now go about getting their heart? Well, yeah, because we can't all meet him. You are a lucky man to meet this person. But do we all have our own little Well, you can be in connection? contact with Lord Rariyas through me. Okay, how do people do that? Well, whatever you are supposed to receive from Lord Rariyas Gaur Shahi, you can receive it from me spiritually. Now, now, how do we do that? Because you're... You have been receiving it. You don't just appreciate it. See, you have been receiving it. <laughs> so we don't have to spend the cab fare. 
Hildegard? To go where? Exactly. <laughs> Nowhere to go. But Hildegard has seen Lord Raria's Gohar Shahi. She has met Lord Raria's Gohar Shahi spiritually. Yes. And I know his, uh, Lord Raria's Gohar Shahi comes to, comes to her um, and hugs her and sometimes... That I don't know, really? I, I, yeah, he does. He does? Okay. I can't okay. believe you didn't know that. I didn't know that. But then there's so much that happens beyond the conscious mind that we are not of aware of, right? Yeah. Mind, you know, in, in spirituality, not mind cannot grasp everything that happens to the soul. So how can that happen to those uh, Muslim youth and anyone else in Britain and elsewhere who's getting radicalized to those ISIS soldiers over there? De-radicalization yeah. is all about giving them correct interpretation of their religion. When somebody is doing something wrong, mm-hmm. considering that this is his religious duty, and he is given the true interpretation, look, what you're doing is not what your religion means, then they will stop. Mm-hmm. I heard something, and I'm not sure it's accurate. Apparently, there were 10,000 soldiers in Saudi Arabia who had to go somewhere on the mission. I heard this too. And they put their stuff down, went to their barracks, put their civil clothes on and left. Is this fact or was this just fabrication? I think it... I don't know. Have yeah. you heard about that? I, heard about I, I that. never heard about that. I did. I heard they were being... Did you hear that as well? I heard that. I heard that they were being sent to Yemen and they just refused to go. Yeah. Like really? Yeah. John Lennon said this in the 70s. As students, we were demonstrating in Bonn on Beethoven's house yeah, and saying, really you know, good. peace can have a, happen if nobody shows up. Imagine it's war and nobody shows up. Yeah. Really, That's right? What a radical thought. And James Twineman today, actually, at 12 o'clock, for somebody who can tune in, has his world meditation organized for the next three days from noon to 12.15. And people just tune in, do whatever they think they need to do to contribute to world peace. Wow. What do you think of that? Yeah, that's wonderful. Now, uh, you're in Toronto today. I don't know how long you're in town for, but uh, we want to, of course, give people the website so they can get and stay in touch. And uh, do you want to let uh, people know where you're headed to next? Because you had people uh, meeting with you in Mexico City, and yeah. I'm presuming you're continuing traveling and meeting with people. I'm, I'm going, going back to England, and then we're coming back in June again. Back to Toronto? Peru. Oh, Peru. Yeah. Okay. And how can people listen to your discourses? I understand you actually Online. do always give Live discourses. Live streaming. Yeah. And that can be accessed through the awaitedone.com yeah. website also? Yes. Yeah. That's okay. it. The awaitedone.com? The awaitedone.com? Yes. Okay. okay. And we should give out, should we give out any other websites? Yeah, there is one more. Gorshahi.us. Okay. Okay. Gorshahi.us. And we're going to put those in the credits, so... Um, any final thoughts you want to leave people with today? Love humanity and love can be obtained through spirituality. That's all. Okay. That's great. Thank you so much for visiting with us again today. Really Thank appreciate you so much. that. I really enjoyed this talk. Yeah, it's always fun. It's really And nice. uh, more than fun, where it's, it's actually meaningful and yes. uh, we're hoping that this message gets out because we all want to a better world and we want to get along with our friends and our neighbors so thank you very much thanks for doing this so we're going to take a little break
Stay with us. We'll be back in just five minutes. Or maybe more than five minutes. Or maybe we'll do the 15-minute meditation and then come back at 12.15. Or maybe something else will happen. Or maybe something else will happen. So stay tuned on thatchannel.com. Thank you, Hildegard. We'll be right back. Maybe.